Tonight's reading is from Luke's Gospel. Uh, We're looking at Luke chapter 8 and it's verses 22 to 25. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Thank you, Lizzie, and uh, more earlier on for our prayers as well. Well, I wonder who you think this is. He, um, he shares a birthday with the Queen, but he's 40 years younger than she is. His middle names are John McRae. He was born in Gloucester, the oldest of four sons, and he spent his childhood in northern Nigeria. When he was 17, his dad was killed by terrorists. He started school in Pulborough, has a degree from Oxford. He is described by those who know him well as a private person. He is single and has no children. He is an exceptional doctor. And since 2019, he's been our chief medical officer And he's become a national institution for his catchphrase, next slide, please. He is, of course, Professor Chris Whitty. Now, however soon you guessed that or didn't guess it, it really doesn't matter that much, to be honest, does it, really? Uh, But we're just very thankful for all that uh, Chris Whitty does for us, for our nation, along with all the rest of those who are uh, involved in helping us through this pandemic. But as we turn to the Bible now, we're looking at someone whose identity really, really does matter. In fact, your eternity depends on it. Have a look at verse 25 of our reading. Who is this, they said. He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. We're talking, of course, about Jesus. Who is this? And he confronts us down the pages of history. And he challenges us with this question. Who is this? And it's a question which we can't just ignore or avoid. We can't just turn our backs on it, for instance. Because there will come a day when all will be confronted with Jesus face to face and so I'll ask the question again who is this 
And the simple answer from our reading tonight from Luke 8 and verses 22 to 25 is that this is Jesus, the Lord of creation. The Lord of creation. So let's look at that in some more detail now. Um, This is probably a new section of Luke's gospel. The way it starts there, one day Jesus said to his disciples, and... And Luke is talking about the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is about five miles wide. It's about 13 miles from top to bottom. Uh, It's 212 meters, or thereabouts, below sea level. And it can get extremely hot, which partly explains why sometimes the ravines around the side of the Sea of Galilee funnel the, uh, the, the, the air in form of really strong winds down from the, uh, the higher pressure up high down to the lower pressure down on the lake. And so uh, you might be going out on the Sea of Galilee for a nice sail with your friends and so on. And then one of these winds just suddenly starts coming and you can be in big trouble, really big trouble. So you look in verse 33 here and it says um, a squall came down on the lake, which is a rather nice way of putting it. Literally, it's a hurricane of winds came down on the lake. Now, um, I've done a bit of sailing over the years, and uh, I've done quite a bit of sailing on Chichester Harbour, actually. And um, uh, you can, sometimes when you're out there, you can just see a squall, and you can tell from what's happening with the cloud and uh, uh, with the rain coming down, and uh, you can see about the surface of the water. You can tell how bad it is. You can tell if you need to take down your main sail, for instance. You can tell if you need to head for the beach. We had to do that once. Um, it was something very serious coming in. But actually nothing that you would experience on Chichester Harbour or out in the Solent would ever actually compare with this kind of mini hurricane that they had on the Sea of Galilee. The boat was being swamped. It was going to sink. I mean, any moment now would have been that last wave coming in and the boat would have gone down. And there was no lifeboats or Coast Guard helicopter coming in or anything like that. No, this was, this was serious. You look at verse 24, the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And that's what they really thought. These were, these were experienced sailors. And they knew great danger. And they weren't exaggerating here. That's the situation. They're in big trouble. Now, what's the first main point? Jesus, Lord of creation, is he a minnow or the master? Is he a minnow or the master? They've just woken up Jesus and they're in the middle of this mini hurricane. And what's he going to do? Can he do anything? I mean, he's obviously been fairly good at doing things like teaching. And uh, they reckon he's, uh, he's pretty good maybe at healing the odd person and things like that and so on. But uh, this is something perhaps rather different. Now, if you've ever been on a boat when it's really windy, it's really noisy. I actually learned to sail up on Ellswater in the Lake District. And uh, um, there, there were two of us learning and our instructor was a bloke who'd sail for Great Britain. Um, so he was quite good. And one day it was a real bad storm. And he said, uh, come on, let's go out for a sail, shall we? Um, you, I'll, I'll sail a boat. You just do what I tell you to do. And, uh, uh, and the thing that really struck me, apart from being, despite it being in the middle of the summer, but it was the Lake District, so it was really wet and really cold. But the thing that really struck me was just how noisy it was. 
with the waves and the wind in the sail and in the rigging and just howling around the place and so on. It was really very, very noisy. So in verse 24, master, master, we're going to drown. It wasn't kind of a quiet, you know, they were trying to be heard above the storm. Master, master, we're going to drown. And Jesus, what can he do? This teacher, this carpenter, this guy who's, who's cast demons out and so on. But uh, what can he do about a storm? When it comes to a storm, is Jesus a minnow just tossed about in the waves or is he the master? Maybe just a bit familiar with this, I guess. You may well know that he got up, as it says in verse 24, and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. So you might be thinking, well, of course he is the Lord of creation, isn't he? That's the kind of thing that Jesus did. But when you look at, say, Mark's account in Mark chapter 4, it says uh, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. He said. And here he's just simply speaking, not shouted just as if to make himself heard. He just says with calm authority. And in the original, the wind stops straight away. And, uh, and it says here, the storm subsided and all was calm. A kind of like an eerie silence on the Sea of Galilee. Minnow or Master. Well, fairly obviously, master, isn't it? Lord of creation, master over creation. But do you see how Jesus did it? Now, way back in Genesis chapter 1, at the creation of the universe, God spoke the universe into existence. So Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, for instance, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it carries on through uh, Genesis chapter 1, and on each of these days of creation, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said, six times, God was speaking the universe into existence. And now here, on a little lake in the Middle East, In the midst of a raging hurricane-like storm, Jesus calmly says, quiet, be still. And he rebukes the waves and the raging storm, and they're calm straight away. God spoke the universe into existence. And here, he is controlling creation by his speaking. Minnow or master? It's fairly obvious, isn't it? Jesus the master. Jesus the Lord of creation. The Lord of creation. Now, um, I guess you've been following or may have heard the, uh, the progress of this uh, little uh, buggy thing that's now on Mars. And Mars is an awfully long way away, isn't it? It's an extraordinary way away to be able to do that, for human beings to be able to get a little buggy driving around on the surface of Mars, which you can hardly see up in the night sky. Just extraordinary. But if you get a really clear night and you, and you see the array of stars and so on, the very nearest star apparently is about four light years away. That's 
light, traveling at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second every second, and it takes four years to get here. That is just extraordinary, isn't it? And that is just the nearest star. And we see and we understand from God's word that it's been created by God's word and it is ruled by God's word, by the word of God, the master, the Lord of creation. And so how how should we respond? How should we respond to this? Well, for a start with worship, I mean, just stop and think for a minute and recognize his power and authority. You go down the seafront on a stormy day or any day and just look at the sea. Or you look up at a clear night, probably tonight, I guess. It's getting chilly. I imagine there aren't too many clouds about. Or get up on the downs. I would love to have been up on the downs first thing this morning. Might go tomorrow because it's, it's due to be about zero or uh, minus one first thing tomorrow morning. And just to be there up there on the, on the frost and seeing the sunrise over the city. And to acknowledge the creative power and glory and majesty of our great God. Or watch nature programs. There's a David Attenborough one on tonight, isn't there? Probably about now, I imagine. And uh, maybe you're recording it. And isn't that crying shame? David, you see all these David Attenborough programs, and I often say to each other, well, you know, uh, you can kind of follow his logic of his arguments, and you think the next thing he's going to say will be something like, and of course you recognize the Lord and creator of all this wonderful stuff, but he never actually quite manages to say that, does he? Um, at Christmas time, I, uh, um, I gave Anna a jigsaw which was a big mistake because it was not that giving Anna a jigsaw is a big mistake, but uh, this particular one, because w- once when we went to see Nelson, we, we were able to go and see Guazu Falls. So I took a picture, turned it into a jigsaw, a thousand piece jigsaw. And, uh, and this jigsaw is mainly muddy water and, uh, and a bit of forest. So it, it took about two months to do it. Um, but, the, but the important thing about it is that when you're there at Guazu Falls, it is stunningly beautiful. And you just go up in amazement that you're actually being able to go there while visiting a mission partner. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and thank the Lord for the, this, the stunning beauty and wonder of this waterfall after waterfall after waterfall. Just extraordinary. So you think of his power, you think of his authority. Worship the Lord Jesus, the Lord of creation. Minnow or master? Master, of course. Master, of course. Do you really believe that? Why not tell him that today? Why not tell him that right now? That wouldn't be a bad idea, would it? So that's the first thing, minnow or master. And the second thing is this, fear or faith. So let's look at the disciples now, those, those in the boat with Jesus. Have you noticed what Jesus was concerned or most concerned about here? I mean, he wasn't really very concerned about the storm, was he? I mean, it was, he was asleep on the, on the back of the boat. But he was concerned. Look at verse 25 and see what he was concerned about. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples. That's a great question. Where's your faith? Where are you putting your faith? seems that their concern over the storm was one thing, but they hadn't, at least initially, been putting their faith in Jesus. They came to him in desperation. They did come to him in the end. But Jesus wanted their faith first, it seems. 
But it's so easy to be fearful, isn't it? Um, I remember back to my childhood, and when we went on holiday, it was, uh, I mean, these days you take hundreds, possibly thousands of photos on the holiday. Um, when I was growing up, it was 12, because that was the role of film. You'd take 12 photos. A little bit later, it was 24 or 36. But uh, when, when I was young, it was 12. And then we'd eagerly wait for them to come back from the, uh, uh, from the, um, the camera shop where they were processed. Sometimes, though, my dad did the processing himself. And he'd clear out all the junk from the cupboard under the stairs and turn it into a dark room, you know, a red light. And he had the pens and the chemicals and things. And he'd do the developing of the photographs himself. He'd print them himself in the cupboard under the stairs in his homemade dark room. Why did I tell you that? Because there's a bloke called Francis Frangipani, or however you pronounce it, um, who said this. Fear is the dark room where Satan develops your negatives. Fear is the dark room where Satan develops your negatives. And it's so easy to be fearful. Why is it sometimes though we're so slow to come to Jesus? So slow to turn to Jesus? I guess probably if we made, a, if we made a, a list of things we're fearful about these days, a mental list might still be getting COVID, still concerned about that, or the pandemic just going on and on, fearful that, you know, there'll be a new variant, or going back to school tomorrow and the numbers are going to go up and then all the dates will be put back and so on, or that our children's education will be blighted or our finances uh, or our business has been ruined, or the operation has been con- uh, postponed, or whatever it is. But Jesus is the Lord of creation. He can handle all those things, can't he? I think he can. I know he can. And we need to be putting our faith in him, of course, don't we? What is the antidote to fear? Answer? Fear. That's right, yeah. I I did say that. Uh, The antidote to fear is fear. But let me explain. Look at the end of verse 25. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He, he, He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, we're talking about fear, I believe, there in a, in, in a, in a kind of Christian sense. Not being scared. The beginning of, of this, doesn't use the word fear, but at the beginning of this, in the storm, the disciples were afraid. They were terrified, weren't they? They were really quite scared of the storm. They thought they were going to die. They thought they were going to drown. They thought the next wave was going to take the boat down to the bottom of the lake. But Christian fear... It's very different from that. That's why I say the antidote to fear, being afraid, being scared, being terrified, is fear. It's actually having a Christian fear, which is an awed respect of God Almighty. And this is the God we're dealing with here. And here they are, middle of a storm, their boat is almost full of water. It's going to go down. Jesus calms the storm so it's flat, so that so the next wave coming in isn't going to take them down. I'm sure they had some bailing to do. And there they are in the middle of the lake, and their reaction, who is this? Who is this? In fear and amazement, 
they asked one another. They turned to one another. Who is this? Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water. And they obey him. A feared respect for the Lord of creation. So not fear in terms of being afraid. But this awe. This respect. This bowing down. Before this man in the boat with them. And this uh, faith, which is what this is talking about and leading to, is actually faith not in a kind of like a proposition, but it's actually faith in a person. It is a commitment to a person. It's a start of a relationship. And Jesus concerned for the disciples. He's concerned for the disciples. And what he wants them is to recognize who he is and to have that right relationship with him. So that they are right with him, both for time and for eternity. He wants them to put their faith in him, but not just in a chummy kind of way, in a way which respects that this is the Lord of creation in this swamped boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And we may not understand everything, and that's okay. This is uh, not just mental ascent, but it's, it's, it's commitment to a person. A person who is this extraordinary Lord of creation. There was a, a skeptical doctor who was speaking to a Christian friend. And, uh, uh, and he said, I... Uh, I never could understand this faith business. I believe in God, and I suppose I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm not conscious of any doubts. I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, and yet I'm not saved. What is the matter with me? And his Christian friend replied, Well, a week ago, I believed you were a very skillful doctor. I believe I came to you when I was sick, and you could help me. I trusted you. You gave me some tablets, and I trusted you in your judgment, and I took them. Now, when you turn to the Lord Jesus, and you say, Christianity is full of mysteries, and I don't understand much of it, but I believe you're trustworthy, and I trust you, and I commit myself to you, that is faith. And so we've seen this evening that Jesus is the Lord of creation. He is the master and not the minnow. He is the Lord, the creator, who controls creation by his word. And we would be right to worship him and to bow down in awed respect for him. Which means that we choose not to fear our circumstances, however challenging. And that awed respect or fear of him is actually when we want to put our hand in his and commit ourselves to him, knowing that we don't know everything. He's far too great to know everything about him. But that's why we bow down and worship and know that we will learn and grow day by day as we walk with him and read his word 
and understand more and more of him. And as we do that, it means that more and more we won't fear circumstances, but we'll do our best with the Lord's help to live in this awed respect for our Savior, to fear him in the right way, to put our faith in him, to put our hand in his, and when the difficulties come, turn to him. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the Lord of creation, the master of creation. Thank you for that extraordinary control by your words on that day. And Lord, thank you that you were more concerned uh, for the disciples' lack of faith than you were about the storm. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us to put our faith in you. Help us to treat you rightly with an awed respect, a fear, as the Bible would have it, but an awed respect of this extraordinary, wonderful, amazingly powerful, awe-inspiring God who is our Lord and Saviour. Amen.